can come up now. Um, so that video was made by Matt McKendry from Cedarview, hence making me look foolish 
uh, as often as possible. Um, <laughs> he had me standing in front of all these different homes that were just the same color, and he was going to make a continuous stream of me waving, and he changed his mind. So anyways, hence that video. Um, so at this time, uh, we're just going to go through just some of the stories uh, that some of our, our students experienced while they were in Guatemala, uh, and so uh, we'll just take it from there. So uh, if you want to start, Aaron's going to go ahead so you can put his slideshow up. Morning, everybody. Um, when I first heard about this trip, um, I was honestly quite hesitant about going on it. Um, but when I decided to go on it, it was definitely one of the best choices of my life. Um, the reasons I went on the trip was kind of like, uh, I love children and I love working with children. And I know that, um, the early stages of life are when um, you develop the most, and it kind of shapes your life. So having the love of Christ um, in early stages is very important to me. Um, this trip um, changed the way I see the world entirely, drastically. It was it was very interesting. Um, seeing how the people, how happy the people were, especially the kids, even though they had so little, was truly amazing. It was very humbling seeing the kids there and how happy they were. Um, Home visits were very touching. Um, seeing how poor those kids were in their houses compared to when you see how happy they are at school and stuff. Because we would see them at school, but then later we'd see them in their houses. And they were still so happy in their houses because they, they know no different, but their houses are very, well, you can see in these photos, that's, what the, that's how they live. Um, one amazing thing that I saw God do was how amazing the weather was when we went. It was supposed to rain the entire week, um, but it didn't rain once when we were outside or with the kids or anything. It only ever rained when we went inside at night, um, but it also rained uh, when we went to have fun in Antigua. <laughs> we got poured on, so yeah. Um, one story I wanted to talk about was uh, during home visits. We went to this home and we talked to the lady who was there and her daughter. Her daughter's name was Sandra. Um, but the mother talked about the fact that she never knew if her husband was ever going to come home every night because he was working as a, a bus driver in Guatemala City. But uh, there's lots of terrorist groups that could um, potentially kill him, like, basically every night. So it's very uh, scary for her. I um, also want to talk about Sandra. Uh, she dreamed to be a lawyer when she was older, and she really wanted to be a lawyer, and that really touched me because you could see how, how much she, should, she desired to be at school and how much she wanted to go to university. But she, the mother said when she tells her that she might not have enough money to send her there, she cries at night. So, yeah, that was really touching. <laughs> and, you know, like sometimes here, kids don't even want to go to school and they're not happy about going to school, but there everybody thinks it's a very good opportunity. So it changed the way I see how privileged I am and how much school means. 
Um, another thing that was amazing to me was the the services there in San Armando Church. Um, they had like, I think, four a week or something, <laughs> but it was pretty amazing. Um, the worship there was really fun. Uh, singing in English while the music was in Spanish was really cool. We also had the privilege of be leading worship on one of the services. That was really fun. Um, yeah. This trip has made me realize how privileged I am, and it just makes me want to give more to people and be more generous. Now I'm going to go through slides. <laughs> this is like the housing of lots of people. Um, this is uh, VBS, so in one of the schools when they're praying. This is uh, another class, I think that's ESL. English second language. This was a birthday party for one of the kids. They actually have big birthday parties at their school. It's pretty cool. I think he threw it though, so. <laughs> um, I'm just showing some kids how to use camera. They're very intrigued by cameras. Um, during recess, we'd play with parachutes, which is fun. everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Hannah. I went on this trip because I felt God calling me to go. I wanted to show kids love. I wanted to show love to kids that are less fortunate than I am and to experience a whole different culture. God really opened my eyes when I visited the families. Their homes were made of tin and only had dirt floors in most cases. So we taught English as a second language and I was really surprised that the children learned so quickly. In fact, it seemed that the kindergartners were two steps ahead of us at one point. We were told to look at a verse that might pertain to us. So I chose Psalm 34, verse 4, which says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me for all, from all my, of my fears. While I am pretty normal, I do have a disability that people may not see. But as a result, some people treat me differently. For this reason, I was very nervous about going on this trip. While I was afraid about what people thought about my differences, God showed me through this verse not to fear. So while I was in Guatemala, I was able to let some of that go for the sake of the children that I had worked with. Kids love you if you love them, and I did not have to be afraid with the kids. So this verse comforted me and let me focus on my work with the children no matter what. My heart was warm toward them, and they showed such joy and happiness despite their circumstances. I am very thankful for what I do have because many other people in this world have so much less than I do. This trip gave me a different perspective and taught me to calm down and to focus on the work Jesus has for me and to worry less about little things. Um, so, yeah, thank you. So now the slides. Okay, so this is me with some of the few of the kids that I had taken a selfie with, I guess you could say. And we were, I think this was during recess with the kids. Um, so yeah, that was one of them. This was a little boy that um, wanted to take a picture with me. And he was very intrigued with my phone, so... <laughs> 
Um, this is when we taught the kindergartners, and um, this um, boy's name is, um, the other hopper was named Thomas from the other church, and so we decided to take a photo with them, and of them learning colors, and yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Jokved, and for almost two weeks, I went on a short-term mission trip to San Raimundo, Guatemala. I wanted to go on this trip because I love working with kids and making them feel loved, to tell them that there are people around the world that love them, and God loves them too. Living for the trip, uh, leaving for the trip, I was unsure of what to expect. We were told that we were going to work with kids, and looking back, we could not have planned the incredible experience that unfolded. We arrived in Guatemala after almost 24-hour flight from door to door, and we stayed at Pastor Victor's home. Each day ran in a similar way. Woke up at about 8 o'clock by the roosters and the cows. <laughs> Breakfast, VBS, ESL with the kids. Lunch, soccer slash home visits, dinner, and a reflection of the day. When we first got to Guatemala, we had a tour of the school. What stood out to me was how happy the kids were to see us. Faces glowing with beautiful smiles. And for all they knew, it was a bunch of gringos in their school. But they welcomed us with songs, dances, and lots and lots of hugs. On our walk of San Ramondo, we went down the street and, and down the street were homes that the students lived in. The houses were made out of tin roofings and dirt roads. And the part of the trip that really touched me was the home visits. For some of us, the same kids that we connected with the most were the same kids that we visited. The same kids that we connected despite the language barrier. The same kids that ran up to us as, as soon as we walked through the front door of the school. And every house we visited, we asked if we could pray for them and if they had any prayer requests. Every time they said, can you please pray for my family and their health? This showed me how much family means to them and how much I should make an effort with my family. This experience shaped my outlook on life. It has showed me to be grateful and thankful for the biggest of things to the littlest of things. And I am thankful for the clean water that I can shower in, for the warm water that I can shower in. I am thankful for having a family that loves me. I am thankful that I can live in a country where I can worship my God without being afraid. And they are very thankful too. Uh, one of the things that I saw was when the kids, uh, one of our youth pastors, Matt, was handing out toys and he gave him a toy and the kid put, kissed it and put it in his pocket. And that really showed me how much, great, like how grateful he was for that tiny thing as small as a marble. And it was such a privilege to worship with the church. Their love for God and others shines through, especially when we were all singing in Spanish or in English. We all worshiped the same God and it was all shining through. Even though we didn't know Spanish or the songs, we still felt God, God's presence. I wanted to thank everybody here and in Guatemala and in Vancouver. <laughs> thank you to our youth leaders and the leaders who kept watch over us. Pastor Victor and his family for his great hospitality. And Natalie, who did a terrific job translating. You guys for your continuous prayers and you, uh, financially helping us. And my, our parents, who had the courage to send their kids off. <laughs> and um, my fellow team members from Eastgate and Cedarview, who made the trip unforgettable. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I ask that you guys keep us in your prayers as we are all trying to figure out God's plan for us and what he's calling us to do. Thank you. Uh, 
Okay, good morning. Hello, my name is Catherine, and it's been about a week since we've returned from our trip. So I think we're all very happy to be here just to share a little bit about what we experienced and how we were impacted. Uh, so we were first asked to share our reasons for going on this trip. So initially for me, I decided to apply for this trip because I just wanted to expand and grow myself as a person and in my faith. Um, I also knew we'd have the incredible opportunity to work with kids, which is a ministry I was already very invested in and very much enjoyed uh, being a part of at our own church. And so I want to be able to bring that down there and through the time spending with these people and these children, I just want to be able to showcase God's love to them. Uh, by trusting God just to use me and challenge me in my faith, I knew this trip would give me the opportunity to experience him differently than I had before. So when we arrived, I think it became pretty evident that God wanted us to be there to not only help and love those around us in that community, but to also in turn allow those people to affect us. It was so clear that God's light and his love shone through the lives of people like Pastor Victor, his family, and the church in Guatemala. And by giving us the opportunity to spend 10 days working alongside these generous, funny, gracious, kind, all these great adjectives, and most importantly, godly people, I think God began to show me what I needed to experience during this trip. Um, so I'd just like to share some of the impactful, eye-opening, and hopefully interesting to you guys moments that I had the privilege of experiencing and witnessing in the lives of these Guatemalans. So first, while we were there, we had the chance to visit many families just to deliver our food baskets, as you saw in the video, and to talk with them and just pray with them. And it was really clear that God was present in a lot of these homes. In specific, there was an older woman we visited, and she lived alone in a small one-room house. She had a bed, kind of like a stove apparatus, and just really, really big bins of water. <laughs> um, while we were in her home, all she could talk about was the power and the provision and love that God was showing in her life, and how grateful she was for all of that. And I think that was a very impactful and eye-opening moment for me personally because we were standing in the dirt, on the dirt floor of her one-room home. And I feel like we don't even see that kind of love and gratitude towards God here in our huge three-story, four-bathroom kind of houses. So it sort of changes your perspective on what we might call first-world problems. On our second day teaching in the school, we got to participate in a really awesome birthday party for two of the students. They had a huge Mario Pinata, as you saw in the video, and the kids were taking really great swings at it, and pieces of candy started to fall out. And they were chasing after this candy as soon as it fell, not even flinching at the rod that was being swung above their heads. And it reminded me of the kids at our own church. Everybody, kids will be kids, they'll chase after candy. And then the Mario burst open, all the candy came raining down, and something a little bit unpredictable happened. The kids were suddenly at our sides, they were tugging on our shirts, and when we looked down, they were offering us the candy with huge smiles on their faces and so when I said this kids reminded me of kids here no <laughs> scratch that <laughs> so the kindness the generosity and the joy in these children are absolutely amazing to see a few days later we had the chance to spend some time with the grade five six split class from the school and so we split them up boys with boys and girls with us and we just had some time to talk to them talk about ourselves our hobbies some goals and dreams that we might have and finally to pray for them and when we asked this group of girls for prayer requests, they were a little bit shy, they didn't offer up much, and they whispered amongst themselves until finally a young girl named Yami, she came forward, she whispered something in our translator Natalie's ear. And she basically just said, um, we don't have a lot to say, but we want to thank God for sending all of you guys here to teach us, to play with us, and just to spend time with us. And that came from a 10-year-old girl, a girl whose possessions at home probably don't even add up to half of what we have here. And so she was nothing but grateful to us and to God. And that was really impactful and eye-opening. Her gratitude and joy that day really touched my heart and gave me an example of the attitude towards people and towards God that I think I want to have and I think all of us should desire to have. I knew before I went on this trip that God was going to show me things that I needed to grow and develop as a Christian, but I didn't realize he was going to show me those things through a group of 10 and 11-year-old girls. 
it was through these kids that we met that God really began working in me, uh, showing me the blessings he already put in my life and how abundantly he had blessed me and allowing me to realize the humility, the gratitude, and the generosity that I still needed in my life. So now that we've been there, met the most incredible people, had some amazing adventures, and come all the way back home to share it all with you, I realized that as much as these people needed us to share God's love with them, we needed them to showcase the true trust, faith, and joy in God to us. And if you want to see the clearest example of a living witness for Christ, go to Guatemala, a small town named San Raimundo. Look for a very yellow building and ask to see a short but very, very smiley man named Pastor Victor. And I assure you, you will not be disappointed. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jeremy. I'm going to share some of my experiences and how God has impacted me. Uh, to start off a bit on why I decided to go to Guatemala, according to Matthew 28:18-20, all Christians are called to evangelize and reach out to the lost with the gospel. For the past year, I've been running Christian club at my school, uh, engaging in conversation with many non-Christians about faith and what it means to be a follower of Christ. So this mission trip for me was the next step, in, next step in my responsibility to share my faith. And I'm extremely grateful to the congregation that I was able to go in your uh, financial assistance as well as your prayers. The trip itself was very eye-opening for me. Our team was blessed with very comfortable living conditions, a spacious house with Pastor Victor's family, multiple washrooms and showers, and above all, absolutely incredible food. Their hospitality was truly something awesome to witness as they treated us like their own, calling us by our names, greeting us every morning, afternoon, and night, playing late-night card games with us, and serving us food. That they could show such kindness to, a stranger, to strangers like us is truly inspiring, and I know that it was all possible through Christ. Uh, the next thing was when I saw the kids for the first time at the school. They were all extremely joyful and eager to spend time with us. I made the mistake in assuming that they all lived in conditions to similar uh, that we were living in with Pastor Victor. However, I realized my mistake when we delivered food hampers for the first time. As you saw in the video and other people's testimonies, the houses that they lived in were often very small, very crowded, and only contained the essentials needed for living. I realized that even though they had so little, they were still so joyful and gracious. Some might even say that they were happier than we are, even though we've been blessed with so much. One of the kids even offered me their marbles, even though that's all they had to play with, uh, with the other kids in the streets. The family's hospitality and the kids' thankfulness have affected me profoundly. Coming back to Ottawa, I'm trying my hardest to emulate what I experienced, treating others with the same love that God shows us, and being thankful for all the blessings that God has provided me in my life. Thank you. So hopefully that's given you a bit of a, a flavor of some of our experience. Uh, you guys can sit down. I have, I'm going to be speaking for another 15, 20 minutes, so uh, you don't want to ruin your legs. Um, <laughs> But that was, like, some of this stuff was just a small uh, taste, a small portion of 
some of their stories, I really strongly encourage you, uh, press into them and ask them, you know, what was it really like when you experienced this or that? Because they'll go much deeper than what we're able to uh, do here just because of time allotment and stuff like that. But some of those stories are, are, are deeply touching and profound uh, for all of us. And we've all processed this trip in, in all sorts of ways. And uh, so I'm going to share how this trip uh, has taken its effect on me. And uh, it, for me, standing here right now, it's almost hard to believe that it was almost three, yeah, three-ish weeks ago uh, that our team was heading out on a plane uh, to Guatemala. And after a whole week of getting back and recuperating uh, and processing all that we experienced as a group, uh, we, we got this opportunity to share with you a small portion of our experiences. But before I even go any further than that and what we've shared, uh, I want to give you my deepest gratitude uh, for sending this team um, it's not easy, I know, uh, raising all the money that we raised and, and investing, whether it was through prayer, finances, or whatever, uh, you know, an encouraging word or something like that. But you guys all stepped up, and for me, it's just a huge testimony of the family of God coming together uh, for one common goal. And I won't know uh, for sure how God has worked in the hearts of each and every single one of those students, but I know deep things uh, were planted, and so... <laughs> who knows what God will do from that. On a mission trip myself is where I felt God's call uh, to become a pastor, and so who knows what God will call some of these uh, students in. But I thank you for your generosity uh, because it was a deeply profound experience for our team. Uh, and these trips really do change lives and our, our perspectives on what life is like here in the context of North America versus the context of where we were in Guatemala. So um, hopefully you've been able to get a grasp of that from some of the stories that you've shared, or they've shared. Now before uh, Matt and I left on uh, this trip, we were told to be prepared to preach while we were down in Guatemala, and so uh, like both of us in typical uh, similar fashion, neither of us did. Um, we're very procrastinating people. Um, before I mention anything, this is just going to keep going. Uh, these are just some of the photos uh, from our trip. So as I'm speaking, you'll get kind of a, a little glimpse of some of the stuff we've done uh, while we were there. So anyways, we were told to prepare messages. And so Matt and I didn't go into Guatemala prepared. And for me, I usually do that because I don't like to be prepared in the sense of I want God to have something to say to me for that moment uh, right then and there and not have some sort of finessed message prepared. So uh, I got a message uh, for sure when I was down there. But uh, while I was down there, I was asking God, you know, I don't know the context of the congregation. I don't know the people. I don't know, you know, Pastor Victor's, uh, you know, ministry to his congregation. Uh, but while I was there, I felt God putting on my heart First Corinthians chapter 12, um, where it talks about the many parts of the body, uh, many parts of the body of Christ. And so, uh, but more than just the many parts, it lays out a clear picture of what the body of Christ is to look like and uh, what it means to be in a family, in a community uh, with other believers. And that's what church is to me. Uh, church is a family. It's a group of people from all sorts of areas uh, of the world coming together uh, as one. And with all of my, my, my own notions going into Guatemala and what it would be like once we got there, I was still surprised upon our arrival uh, when Pastor Victor and his family greeted us and some of the congregation members, from the get-go, they were calling us hermanos and hermanas, which is brother and sisters. And so from the moment we stepped off and, and greeted them, they were already treating us like family. And so uh, for me, that was just like, it blew me away that strangers could come in and right away just be embraced uh, and, and responded well to 
the family right away without even knowing much about them and them not knowing much about us. I love being part of that. I love being part of God's family, especially when I got to set out on a plane uh, with this group and go to another country with a different language, a different culture, and yet still feel God's presence when I step through those church doors and be able to participate in a congregation that's thriving, in a congregation that worships and glorifies the same God that we do. It's one thing to say that God is at work all over the world. He's working in this country or he's working uh, in that country. But when you stand in the midst of a congregation that sings, Santo, 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 yo quiero verte. Holy, 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 I want to see you. Uh, For me, that was a whole other level of how active and present God really is. And that language is truly not a barrier for, for God or for us. And that language is just another flavor of worship. And the picture that I got to be a part of while we were down there, out of the many pictures, was that God's family is so much bigger than 550 Cods Road. So much bigger. Uh, And it's not only amazing to actually experience it, uh, you know, with just, you know, stories or whatever, but to be there present firsthand, uh, participating in it. Now, most of you know I grew up in a big family, uh, but for those of you unaware, um, I have five brothers, four sisters. Now, being part of a family this size has its challenges, obviously. Um, People can be annoying. And so, uh, (laughs) siblings, I mean. and so growing up with a family in that cluster, we all just, you know, we could get on each other's nerves easily. But one component of a family this large was that we all had a specific role to play while we were there. No one uh, could get up in the day and think, you know, I can just get away today scot-free and not have to lift a finger. Uh, we all had something to do. And so, you know, dad worked, my mom uh, taught homeschool uh, to some of us, and as kids, our job was to look after the house, our room, doing the dishes, whatever, uh, chores, and so we had responsibilities. And so, and whenever some of us, um, insert me, um, would shirk those duties, uh, you would most definitely feel the wrath of the other siblings uh, for not picking up your slack of the responsibility in the house. But one thing my dad harped on all the time as we were growing up, just because of the nature of the size of our family, but one of the things he said often was that many hands make light work. Um, there are more, the more people there are in a job, the easier that that job is because you have more people involved in, in the participation of it. So in going um, back to where I was talking about, where I felt God talking to me about 1 Corinthians 12, uh, that's where I want to head this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open those up to 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll be reading verses 12 to 20. And we should have it up on the screen as well. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 20. Just as the body, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Part of being the body of Christ uh, means that all of us who follow Jesus 
uh, don't do so in the sense of like a uniform body. We don't move as one in the sense that we're all conformed to one identity in terms of like we're all the same person. Uh, we're all called to be like Christ for sure, but in part of being in the body of Christ is that the church is diverse. We have diversity. God created people that way. Uh, you know, if you look around here, especially uh, at Eastgate, there's tons of people here. And when Paul says there's, there's Jews and Greeks, but here amidst our congregation, there's English, Mandarin, Dutch, Lebanese, Korean. We have people from South and Central America, Africa, Europe, Asia, all over the world. Just little flavors in this, in this small pocket uh, of Eastgate. Look out in the hub, all those flags is just a, is just a, a taste of, of just the flavor of culture that we have here. It's all here, and we are all part of it uh, in this diversity, and we're all unique for sure. We have different personalities, we have different tastes and preferences, we have all talents, we have all abilities, and we all have a role to play within this body. We all have a role to play. Now this past weekend, um, Bill sent out a message um, don't worry, I'm not going to roast you or anything. Um, Bill sent out a message about the church wanting to repair the roof. I wasn't able to go because I was preparing this and slide stuff, but uh, I heard some people showed up, so thank you for showing up and not leaving him alone. Um, but imagine for a second that Bill made that call out to the congregation and said, hey, I need some help uh, repairing this roof. And uh, we know Bill pretty well. He's, he's good with his hands. He's good at fixing stuff. And so imagine for a second that we all just said, you know, Bill is really good at doing things with his hands, so I'm not really good at it, so therefore I, I, I won't show up. Bill can do it all by himself, which he probably would have done anyways. But at the same, in the same line of thing, that's a huge roof. Now, if no one showed up, to help and support Bill in that work. What does that say about community? What does that say about family? What would that say about teamwork? You know, coming together and supporting. This was one of the things that impressed me the most uh, while I was down in Guatemala with the local church. One girl in the congregation uh, was turning 15. Now, if you know anything about um, Spanish culture, I think specifically in this area, I'm not sure what it's like in Spain, but where we were, uh, turning 15 was a huge deal. Uh, it could be considered the same equivalent as turning 16 up here, uh, but it's really like a small wedding uh, celebration when you're down there. It's just the whole show. It's like everything done. If you've seen some of the pictures, you'll seen some of the decorations hanging from the ceiling of the church like that. That was all celebratory stuff for uh, this quinceanera, and it's a huge deal. And so, uh, for them, it's when a girl becomes a woman. So uh, while we were there, uh, we were asked to decorate after one of the services while we were down there, one of the many services we attended. And so uh, some of the family members and some of the, the people on, in the congregation said, hey, we're going to put together some of the decorations for this quinceanera, and uh, we're going to support this girl. And while we were doing that, I looked around, and I was actually quite surprised uh, at how many people from the congregation stayed behind to help. We just came out of a, a service that started at 7 p.m., ended at 9 o'clock, and so for all intents and purposes, anyone could have said, well, it's late, I'm tired, I'm going to go home. Or even further, I'm not related to this girl, so I don't really need to help her. She's got enough family support, so uh, I don't need to do that. But that didn't happen. When I looked around, there were so many people uh, from all over the congregation, and I don't know who was related to the girl or who wasn't, but when I looked around, it was like watching a family come together uh, to support this one girl on her big day. 
And this is what Paul is getting at. We all work together. Uh, Some may be strong. Some may not be strong. Uh, Some may have a certain talent that others lack. But regardless of skill level or, or whatever we're good at, we come together as one. And I felt like that's what we did uh, when, we, when we initialized this trip uh, way back in, in February when we said, you know, I think this is what I feel God is calling us to do. And we all stood basically saying, yeah, let's do this. Let's send these, these students out. Let's make this happen. And we moved as one in that capacity. For the most part, uh, in, in churches across North America, not specifically here, uh, the common line of thinking uh, across Um, a lot of churches, is that when it comes to church work, it often falls on the pastor's shoulders. Uh, And yes, sometimes some of the work ought to. That's that's the nature of what we got ourselves into uh, when we signed up for this vocation. But pastors can often be left without help. And that's not a complaint or anything. I'm not complaining, you know, woe is me or anything. And I'm not speaking for Bill or myself or whatever. But, But Paul says we all have something we can do. We all have something we can do. We have something that we can bring to the table. And 1 Corinthians 12, for me, is just an awesome reminder of what is my role in the church? What do I bring to the table? It's, a, it's an awesome call to every generation. It's not just, okay, we, we preached on that 25 years ago or whatever. We don't need to hear it again. This is a message for each generation after the next generation, the next generation. What is 1 Corinthians 12 for the church? What can I do? And whatever it may be, your talent uh, within this church, this is... This is where God has ordained you to be. You are here for a reason because God said, I need you here because you have something I need you to do amidst this family, amidst this community. So whatever that is, God knew that in this time and in this place, you being here right now, a part of this family, uh, is what we needed, is what we needed together collectively. You are needed here in this church. And you are here because all of us collectively are called as the body of Christ to encourage, to build up, to to help, to be present in this community. And this is most definitely not a condemnation that we're we're lacking in this capacity. Most certainly not. You can take a look back at over over all of the stuff that this church has done over the years uh, and what we've accomplished here together. All the summer day camps, volunteers just stepping up to the plate, all the building projects, the Mandarin Uh, sanctuary being built up. All the things that are seen and the things that are unseen, um, although there isn't much unseen now because we have security cameras and so we'll we'll see you. Um, (laughs) All the things unseen and so even in the, in the capacity of finances, right? The money we raise for the Global Events Fund. I'm always impressed, uh, and this isn't to like boast or brag about what, what other churches aren't doing, but I've, I've looked at some of the stats, and for the most part, our church is smaller than some of the more large congregations that I've, I've heard about and seen. And oftentimes we give more uh, than some of these larger congregations. And that's not to put those ones down, but I'm just impressed at how small we are, and yet collectively we do so much. Uh, and especially sending these students on the trip that we just went on. It's truly amazing, and I'm thankful for, for your generosity and the things that you do here um, that we don't always see. It's amazing. And further on in... in uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to put that up, verses 21 to 27. You can put that, yeah, there we go. 21 to 27. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. 
while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. If any of you have ever hurt yourself in some way, like painfully, like you broke uh, a wrist or a leg or whatever, uh, you know what that does to your body um, in terms of your pain and your ability to maneuver. If you, you know, like for me, I'm right-handed. If I broke my right hand, that's really difficult because my left hand is basically useless. And so <laughs> that presents its challenges. And so on Friday, I burned two of my fingers um, I'm not thinking whatever, but I burned two of my fingers, and even though they were, the burns were sort of small, it still kind of incapacitated this hand for a day. I couldn't grab stuff because I burned my thumb and my index finger, and so I couldn't hold a pencil for something, like something as simple as that, because just the nature of where it was. And so that one little burn on my hand, when it talks about when one part suffers, the whole body suffers with it. That was kind of where I was at, you know, just the pain and the throbbing and all that stuff. And I had to compensate this hand by using my left hand uh, for most stuff because, again, my index, th- my index and my thumb were burned. So I couldn't use this hand without presenting its discomfort. And so some of you may understand that if you've hurt yourself in a way where you have to compensate. While we were down in Guatemala, we had an amazing privilege uh, to do home visits um, with multiple families, over 25, almost 30, I think. And uh, regardless of if that family uh, were believers or not, whether or not they attended the church, uh, Pastor Victor's compassion for that community runs so deep, uh, so much compassion for all who surround the church. And it's not like, okay, here's, here's our church here, and I'm only going to have compassion for just this radius. When you talk to Pastor Victor, it's like my heart uh, burns, and it, it's in pain for San Ramondo, this, this community of 30,000-plus people. Um, he, just, he desires to see the presence of God being active and at work in, the, in this community. And so it's, it's truly inspiring to see uh, just how much work and how much stuff he wants to accomplish in this community. But on these visits is where uh, I felt God show up the most, and um, many of our students will tell you that, that these home visits um, did the same to them as well. And same with the students from Cedarview. And they'll all say that same thing. Um, because uh, during our time there, the first portion of our trip, we, we focused primarily on the school. We, w- we would wake up, we'd go to the school, and half our team would run an ESL program, and the other half would do a VBS program. And so we, we focused primarily on just doing those two things for the first week. But like Jeremy shared, uh, during the second half of the week, we had the opportunity to actually go to the homes of these students. Um, and so when we did our debriefs, week one, they were often jovial. We joked around a lot. You know, how was your day? Oh, it was amazing. We got to hang out with these kids, and they were often very much so uh, happy reports. And uh, after these home visits, you, there was just this very toned down, you know, somber, uh, you know, attitude and response. You know, how, how did you respond? How are you processing what we've experienced today? And there was less joking, less um, fooling around, which isn't a bad thing, or it's neither here nor there, but it just gave us a sense of, whoa, God 
God is doing something in our hearts as we were down there. And uh, we truly got to see um, this, this passage where one part suffers, um, the whole part suffers with it. And we joined with them uh, in, those, in those home visits. Unless you've experienced it for yourself, it's really difficult uh, to imagine or put into words. I remember just visiting home after home uh, and leaving with a heavy heart and asking God, where are you? Can you, can you stand in the gap for this, this family? Could you provide? Could you support? Could you do something? Could you do anything for this family? And we were just begging God that he would just help them make it through another year. Some of them just making it through another month and even others just making it through the week. It's hard. And we visited this one family, uh, a few kids. Uh, there was a mom. I'm not sure if there was a father in the picture. Um, and her mother-in-law were here in this home. And one of the children uh, was born with water on the brain. Um, I'm not sure if that was the actual thing or if it was lost in translation, but what they conveyed to us was that that was the issue. Um, and having that, that uh, disability presents its challenges. It can hinder growth. It can hinder, um, you know, progression and developments in the child. Um, and this kid was about two years old. And having just had a kid myself, you know, she's, she's healthy, she's, she's fine. And then coming here and seeing this, it's like, oh, it's, it's not the case for everyone. Uh, and just hearing the mom share that story, I just remember her sharing about all the money that they spent on doctors and the costs it took uh, to travel to the, the next local city. San Raimondo is, uh, you can compare it to like a rural area. There's no, there's no doctors in that area. There isn't even a police force. It's literally just this rural community, um, and so they had to pay for traveling to the next local city, and all of this money was just being funneled and channeled to, to solve this one problem, and being part of this home, we know, like, money is tight. You can't just throw it away frivolously and spend it here, spend it possible means to remedy this, this issue. You hold the answers. You hold life giving answers for this family. And we gave them a food basket and we had the opportunity to lay hands on them and pray for them and just ask God to intervene in this young boy's life that he would provide not only uh, healing and restoration of this boy completely and fully, uh, but that he would be providing for this family in terms of money and spiritual growth and support and community uh, rallying around them. I don't know if we'll ever be told if that young boy will be healed but our hearts were broken for stories like that because there was more than one while we were down there. That's just one. There's more stories. I was there story after story of just brokenness and, and it's, just, it's hard for me to see it as a family is, is desperate. And my North American heart tells me, push this stuff down. Push it down. Don't engage because it's messy. Don't let your guard down because you'll feel this raw emotion. You'll feel empathy to their pain to their plight. You'll feel it. And it's easier to not be present. It's easier sometimes to not be present emotionally, and it's easier to not be present physically when one is suffering, because suffering is so hard. But Paul says, when one part suffers, we all suffer together. How am I suffering for those around me? Because believe you me, it was much easier to suffer with them when I was down there without my phone without internet, without technology to distract me. It was easier to suffer with them when I was faced with those present realities head on that there are some in this world who are literally fighting for their breath, who fight to survive day to day. But up here, how am I suffering with those around me? 
I have my comfort back. I have my stuff. But what about them? That's where my brain is at since I've come back. That's what I'm processing. That's what's going on in my mind is there's so much around us. There is so much suffering. There is so much need. And how are we partaking in it? But you know, amidst all that, what struck me the most uh, when I was faced with those family circumstances, each one we met, without, without exaggeration, each one we met, they had hope. They had joy. And for me, that was like, how are you... How are you even experiencing this right now? How do you even have hope and joy in the midst of hearing that your son, who's, who's got an issue, could possibly die? How could you experience that? And I know myself, I lack some of those qualities. I lack joy sometimes. And yet there in their circumstances, they had it. And my question was, how can you be hopeful amidst this? How do you have joy right now despite this difficult circumstance? And for them, it was not just... Um, dependence on God uh, to meet their needs that kept them joyful and hopeful, which, by the way, is a huge part of their day-to-day life. Just this, this day-to-day outpouring cry that God would provide and meet them in their needs, that was, that was a day-to-day thing for them. And obviously that presents its joy and hope, knowing that God will provide for them. But alongside that, uh, they had this family that comes together and rallies around them. And I don't mean family like relatives, but I meant the church. The church in that community was just this powerful presence and experience of, of Christ at work in their community that when one part is suffering, they all rallied around together and said, hey, we're going to come alongside you and support you in this difficult circumstance. And that blew me away because the church where we were, the people in itself, the part of the people, it's made up of people who are dealing with their own set of difficulties, who are dealing with their own day-to-day issues and, and circumstances, and yet they all still said, let's rally around. We'll rally around this. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of the body of Christ working together. And so what of us up here? And I'm not saying this to put us down, but what of us up here? How is our body? What is, what is it like for us when we hear rejoice uh, when, when one rejoices. Let's rejoice together uh, when one rejoices. Do we do that? Where's the rejoicing? Let us rejoice. Let us celebrate the victories. Those who overcome addictions, those whose chains are off, those who come to Christ and more. Where's the suffering? Where's the suffering? Let us suffer with the orphan, the widow, those going through various difficulties and circumstances. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Canada can't say to Guatemala or any other country for that matter, I don't need you. We can't say to any other members of the body of Christ, we don't need you. How do we stand as one? Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. What can you bring to the table? One of the last days when Matt and I uh, were there, um, probably second last day, Matt and I received um, this handmade fabric um, from one of the local congregation uh, members. And uh, we got this fabric, and down here um, on the bottom left, it says, Que Dios les bendiga. Uh, And it's written on the bottom, and it means, God bless you. And the pastors and the other congregation members wanted me to pass this on to you uh, to say how much they appreciated you for enabling us, praying for us, and sending us uh, to this church. You have no idea the impact it had on this church and on the pastors in this community. Um, You may not have been on this trip, but you helped send us uh, so we could help bless that community. So as this 
this was made. It's a token of their appreciation to you. So indeed, God bless you um, uh, in this congregation. Now on top of it, we have this word here, Jesus uh, Viene. And that, uh, that was the name of the church that we were at. Um, but it also has a meaning for all of us. Jesus Viene means Jesus comes. Jesus comes. And each one of you, as you leave this place, you carry within you the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. You carry Christ with you. So when you give to the needy, Jesus gave to them. When you go into someone's home and pray for them, Jesus visited them. For whatever you do for the least of these, you did so in Christ's name. And that's something to think about as we leave uh, here this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I I thank you uh, for all the things that you do. God, uh, my gratitude is just, there's no words for how thankful I am that we were enabled to go on this trip and, and be part of uh, this, this opportunity to, to go to another country and support a church and bless them and work with their kids and other congregation members. And God, I thank you that that experience has left a mark on all of us uh, who are there. But God, I pray most of all that that mark isn't just left on our hearts and in our minds, but that as we process those things that we experience, that our mark would be left here uh, in this congregation, that it would be left here in this city, in our schools, uh, and in our homes. And so God, I pray that these stories wouldn't just be stories that are told, but that they would be stories that have impact and deep-seated roots in our lives, that as we, as we grow, as we move forward, that you are giving us uh, a glimpse of what you are calling us into And so, God, I pray especially for these students that as they're processing, Lord, would you open their minds and their eyes to see what it is that you are calling them into. And, Lord, I pray that as they're here in this congregation that we would rally together as one, uh, uh, that we would would do as Paul calls us to, that we would rejoice uh, when one rejoices. And we do that all together. But when one part suffers, God, that we suffer together. And so, Lord, I just pray uh, that your will will be done in this congregation and that Uh, we would be obedient to your word and that we would hear what it is that you are saying and find some way uh, to live that out in our lives. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.